are going to be on social media. So if, if we can talk about the good and the bad of it, mm-hmm. if we can warn people like, hey, if you're finding yourself here, 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 like you might need to take a step back or here's a good gospel antidote for the desire you feel to be important or worthy or loved or enough. Um, I, I just think by bringing things into the light, whether it's you know pornography or opiates or social media addiction, mm-hmm. or not even addiction, just like the darker side of normal use, yeah, I think we do people a great favor to say, oh, that, that's what this is. To the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm Neil Smith, uh, by the way, and I'm joined by my friend, Pastor Mike Novotny. Pastor Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, Nils, what's up? And today is Pastor Mike's 40th birthday, and those that are watching on video gets to see some friends decorated his office today. Um, and so, oh. Pastor Mike, happy birthday. Man, I've never been able to relate to those uh, Psalms where David calls down curses upon his enemies. <laughs> but when, when I walked into my office today and saw it covered in like the worst pictures of me from middle school, um, my, yeah. my own mother has betrayed me on my birthday. So I'm feeling very loved and I got a lot of work to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, and it, you know, I think it'll make good for some good social media pictures as well uh, in, in this moment. So I, I'm, I just beat you to 40, and so I want to give you a heads up that I had hair on the other side of 40. And they, <laughs> you know, like, you've got a great set of hair, and I'm envious, but, you know, I mean, I, the things you have to look forward to uh, at, at 40 is, uh, yeah, I'd start shaving your head now. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens at 40. So that. I'll give you a list of notes after the podcast of how to prepare for 40. Uh, Pastor Mike, for those that don't know you, uh, share a little bit about what you do, who you are, uh, yeah, and a little bit of background on, on you. Sure. I'm a guy who 20 years ago had an afro uh, playing college <laughs> doctor, and apparently I'm about to lose all of it. So uh, I am a campus I don't think actor. so. you got a great, great set of hair. I mean, I'm an analyst and I'm a professional, so you, you're good on the hair side. You know, you brought that up twice now. It's making me feel slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should. You should. That's our relationship. I'm a, I'm a campus pastor at a church called The Core in Appleton, Wisconsin, about a half hour from Green Bay. And I also serve uh, for the last, what, two, three years as the lead speaker of Time of Grace, which is a media ministry. So a TV uh, program that goes out around the, the nation, uh, book writing, podcasts, all the social media stuff. So I kind of juggle those two things at the same time. Married for 17 years. And two daughters in middle school, so I'm uh, I'm in the prime of it. I love it. I love it. So you're you're ahead of me on the kids. My my kids are in elementary. I got two daughters in elementary school, um, and we've been married for 16 years. Um, so you're you beat me on that side. Well, just prepared. The 17th anniversary is when like you lose all your hair. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife would actually tell you though that uh, we should have been married 17 years. I just drug my feet a little bit. Uh, and so we, we were together four years before we got married. Um, so Pastor Mike, you uh, and, and you and I've talked social media a little bit, uh, are not a social media guy. You're not a guy that was drawn. Like I, I was you know, like, my space came along and I was like, I'm in, you know, like I, AOL instant messenger. Uh, right. I started in 1999. Um, you, you we're the same age. You kind of grew up same timeline. Um, 
and you use social media, but maybe share what's your relationship with social media? What do you like? What do you not like? How often do you use it? What's your personally relationship with social media? Yeah, I was. So when I was going through seminary, which would have been what 2003 to 2007, I think I was the only guy in the whole school that didn't have a laptop. Wow. Okay. So I was like old school. Yeah. Home the and I can see all the books behind you too. So you're, you're print books guy too. <laughs> yeah, I am indeed. So yeah, I've never really been on the cutting edge of, of tech uh, for better and worse. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of people these days talk about the dangers of addiction and social media, but I mean, I don't know how you reach the next generation with the gospel without a, a clear presence. So I'm not a, yeah. I'm not the guy banging the drum to go back 200 years. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable. So we, we have people at Time of Grace that will do uh, Instagram, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook. But I myself have really little connection with it. And I find with my own heart that the way I'm wired, like I'm just, I'm drawn to, I think, the wrong parts of, of social media. Yeah. And what, to, what, so what does that mean? What, is, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So are you familiar with the strengths finders? Yeah. Personality yeah. test. So in my top five, I have competition, which means I consistently yep. compare myself yep. for, for a little bit of good and a lot better. I think bad. a lot of pastors can relate to that. Yeah. And I have significance, which yeah. means, man, I get fired up when there's big, big things. Mm-hmm. Like one-on-one counseling is really hard for me. But if I can stand on stage and speak as a keynote, like that fills my tank like, like mm. nothing else. So I find like on Instagram, I'm constantly aware you know, what's, what's an average amount and like, when are we exceeding it? And I just, even though (laughs) like, I don't have a a solid connection to it, I'm checking it, checking it, checking it, checking it. And I find like my heart kind of rides that roller coaster of, and it's, it's stupid to say out loud, like, am I doing a good job? Am I an important person? This is real though. I mean, this is the pastor's dilemma, you know, on social media. Yeah. And I don't even do it. I don't post it. Like I, my job is to basically take hmm. seven pictures or videos a week, send them to our social media person. So yeah. I must step away from it. Yeah. And even then I find myself like, well, I'm going to the bathroom. I might as well bring my phone. And as long as I'm here, I might as well check Instagram yeah. for that time today. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it scares me a little bit. And maybe other people aren't wired like I am and they're stronger and better at self-control. But I, I find myself with more nervousness about it than excitement. Yeah, boy, that's, I think that's so honest and so real of, and, and I think there's, I mean, you hear a lot of pastors talk about it's, there's so many pushed up against it. Like this is, at first it was terrible because it's porn and it's unhealthy. And I remember being told uh, when I was a social media pastor that I'm encouraging infidelity in marriage because it happens through social media. Um, and there's there's so much darkness on social media, but but you also shared you don't know how you could even reach that next generation without social media. And so there's this dilemma as a pastor, how, how do you, I mean, navigate that you navigate that personally. How do you navigate that from a ministry context of the darkness and the opportunity? Yeah. I, I think, you know, your word darkness makes me think by bringing it into the light. Yeah. Oh, so, cool. I that's mean, people good. are going to be on social media. So if, if we can talk about the good and the bad of it, mm-hmm. if we can warn people like, hey, if you're finding yourself here, 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 like you might need to take a step back or here's a good gospel antidote for the desire you feel to be important or worthy or loved or enough. Um, I, I just think by bringing things into the light, whether it's 
you know, pornography or opiates or social media addiction mm. or not even addiction, just like the darker side of normal use. Yeah. I think we do people a great favor to say, oh, that, that's what this is. Yep. I'm putting my heart in getting 72 likes instead of the regular 55. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever wonder what the angels think when they look down on us? <laughs> like, oh, he was so confident in his salvation, but now he's 17. <laughs> yeah. I know they can't sin, but I, they got to be tempted to be a little sarcastic. I would think. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, and, and I think it's, it's, it's hard for a grown man to admit that because you see, you see teenagers that, you know, they, I hear about teenagers that will post something and if they don't get a certain number of likes within 10 minutes, they delete it because it's embarrassing with their yeah. friends. And so much of their self-confidence is built in that. But I think a teenager can in many ways admit that for a 40 year old man. And I, I do the exact same thing is I check it and I delete posts if I feel like it doesn't get enough engagement. Um, and I don't know that I've ever admitted that, uh, but it is, it is, I'm self-conscious about the number of likes it gets and the engagement that it gets. Yeah. Um, and boy, that that's, uh, I mean, it's laughable, but it's sad simultaneously in the unhealth of if you continue to feed that and obsess over that, mm-hmm. where that can lead you down a path uh, from a pastoral leadership perspective. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm just thankful for grace. You know, the, yeah. the older I get, the more I realized, oh, it's not me getting past all this stuff. And heck, yeah. up and to the right, you know, kind of sanctification. It's just, wow, thank you, God, for being faithful as I'm riding this roller coaster of my yeah. crazy heart. Um, yeah. well, well, have, have, have you watched the movie Social Dilemma yet? I have. Well, tell me your thoughts. Uh, it made me so glad that uh, my wife and I are the only parents that haven't let our seventh grade daughter get a smartphone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're uh, maybe projecting a little bit of our uh, fears onto them, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just scary to think of it. what got me from the, uh, from the documentary was the little timer when you're scrolling. Like, even oh. if you don't click on something or like it, like it's literally tracking, Oh, he slowed down for this part. Yep. Oh, he likes that more than this stuff. And this, yeah. I, I probably should have known that with the algorithms and stuff, but it's like, dang, they yeah. are, uh, there's God's knowledge. And then there's Google. In <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's artificial intelligence of what is, what is happening. It, it, it surprised, it surprised me to hear how many people didn't even know that this kind of tracking was taking place. Mm. Um, and I think there's, there's, it, there's a point even for me of knowing it, that it be, it's become normal of like, oh, that's just how it is. Uh, but man, that it is, uh, there's a lot. So I want to talk about your kids. Uh, so you've got seventh grade, you said your seventh grade daughter, it doesn't have a smartphone. Right. How are you navigating the world of social media or how will you navigate the world of social media with your kids? Oh, um, so Kim and I have, tried to plant seeds already. So I will, I'll show my girls like my Instagram account through time of grace. Yeah. And then I, I think I will, I'll intentionally say, Ooh, look at how many views this one got girls. Is daddy important now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, before they get there, I'm trying to role play a hundred times with them. Oh man, this one only got X number of likes. Like yeah. should daddy go in his bedroom and cry? And, you know, just for them, yeah. to the third yeah. party counselor. Yeah. Um, I think we're trying to, as many psychologists and doctors and books that we've read. Yeah. 
you know, Gene Twangy and uh, Gen Z stuff, like we think the long, we know it's going to happen sometime, but the longer we can hold off, mm-hmm. um, we just think for our daughter's developing heart and prefrontal yeah. cortex, uh, it's yeah. the way to go. I'm not judging other parents if they do, but for mm-hmm. us, like give us time to teach. And then hopefully when they, it's not going to be easy, but hopefully they'll be a little bit more prepared for it. Yeah. It's, it's so complicated. Um, and I think even as for pastors to even how they guide their congregation, but I think even as youth pastors, how they guide their teenagers and how they, you know, uh, encourage parents around it. Um, I've, I've kind of gone the other way of, of letting them be hands on of, but it's like that dilemma of like, do you let your kids sip alcohol so that they don't like the taste and then, you know, don't go drink with their friends or, you know, like, do you, you know, like there's just certain things that you, uh, that it's like, I don't know that there's a right and a wrong here of that they're going to experience this digital engagement and do you hold it off till their brain is ready to handle it? Or do you, and and, and I think to your point is, is this is what you and your family have, have chosen and to navigate that. And, uh, and in some ways, once you rip that bandaid off, you can't go backwards um, or it's very challenging to go backwards. And so it's, yeah, yeah this is a complicated dilemma for parents in this season. So true. One thing that I don't know if helpful is the right word, but you know, I went from a pastor who is preaching to 200 people. Yeah. And then once they turned the cameras on and we started as the lead speaker, time of grace, same church, yeah. same number of live people, but now, you know, 400,000 yeah. are seeing that message. And yeah. just, just to know, like my, I'm bad at math. Like my happiness did not increase 200 fold or 2000 fold yeah. just because those numbers increased. So yeah. I kind of like the fact that because of time of grace, I mean, the, I would never have the kind of platform on social media that I do without them. Yeah. And just for my daughters to see up close, wow. Like going from, 200 to 400,000 did daddy's still daddy. And if you're going to struggle with it at 200, it's going to be the same, maybe even bigger at 400,000. So I think just sharing that stuff with the church, um, like, Hey, this is not the well of happiness. Hmm. It's got to be the presence of God. It's got to be something bigger and more guaranteed. Otherwise you're just, you're going to be like a drug user. Yeah. There's going to be a great high and a great crash and it's going to be tough to shake. Do you, do you teach your congregation that do you talk social media from the pulpit, uh, just from a, here's how to follow Jesus and have a healthy digital life and world. Yeah. So we did a whole series called I God, which was kind of about the intersection of technology and spirituality. Yeah. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. And then I, I pretty regularly try to make, you know, there's a biblical point and you're trying to apply it in 15 different ways. I try to go there pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that same thing. Keep it into the light. Yeah. It's like a, I find preaching as a boomerang. When you talk yeah. about something, people talk back. Yeah. So yeah. I think I that's so good. I mean, I think too. I think it's there's a unique opportunity for pastors to listen to their congregants uh, by being on social media. Um, I'm curious. Does it when when you see your congregants on social media? Does it hurt you a little bit or is it sad to see sometimes or how do you like i think about like as a youth pastor it would crush me when it'd be like oh that's the kid that's like worshiping on the front row and then i see him drinking on myspace you know uh how do you like uh, do you do that or how do you kind of even monitor i said monitor is a weird word but 
this is a new realm of a pastor having yeah. access and awareness of their congregation that they've never had before. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. You're sorry. My, my slow response is me not trying to give away details of stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, I, it's complicated. I, I yeah. get it. You know, you see someone who is so grateful, your visitor, and then you, you wish you wouldn't have clicked when her Instagram page came up because you yeah. can't unsee that. Yeah. And like, and there just seems to be a whole comfort level and this isn't going to be a shock to anyone with just what you post on social media. And I'm thinking, dang, I'm your pastor. I don't need to see that. Mm. I can't unsee that. Yeah. I'm sad that these two pictures are side by side, pray for me. Mm. And then yeah. here I'm back partying. And then it's just the awkward, I'm not sure if you have wisdom here, but I've always felt it dangerous to be like the social media police mm. or, oh, I saw on Instagram or I saw on Facebook that you yeah. said, like, yeah. should I, is that wise? Like, is that, or do I need to see something live to address it and have hard conversations? I've, I've chosen normally not to, but yeah. I don't know if that's me being a coward and just not, <laughs> not wanting to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think it's though. In some ways, I feel like it's like parents knowing their kids drinking and just going la la la. I don't want to hear it. Um, of you know, like if they're putting it out there, and you follow them, it's not you know, it's not like you're going snooping. But it, but in some ways, it is, uh, and it's getting awareness of like here is the reality of you know. I saw this picture on Sunday, uh, but they posted this picture on Monday. And, um, and, and I need to maybe speak into this differently, uh, because there's probably more of our congregants that are pr processing through this. I, uh, I was talking to, with a group that does a Bible app where pastors are able to kind of track their congregation's Bible engagement and just, we can get data on our congregants like we've never been able to before and, uh, what they're, what they're dealing with, what their, uh, struggles are with the, you know, I think it's, it's it's fascinating what's, what's there. Uh, but it, in some ways it, it's helpful in some ways it, it just adds, uh, unhealthy complexity, you know, that I think can just confuse a pastor. It's yeah. tough. There's, there's no right. I don't, I don't know that there's a right understanding here. Uh, I think we're all figuring this out and it's not getting easier. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that someone can post something, I mean, spiritually is, I mean, we all sin, James said, we all stumble in many ways. So we know it's going to happen to the yeah. best people in the church. But when you can take that and post it and then not take it down, yeah. it's probably a bigger red flag for the heart. Not just that it happened or I said it or I did it, but now I want the world to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that should raise more of a, I, I need to do something about this because you know, there's only two kinds of sins we commit. The ones we're sorry for. And the ones we're not. Yes. And if, I think if you can post it and be proud of it, that's probably leaning towards the second, which is some spiritual danger. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe God can use it to reveal some stubborn sins that are holding on to people's hearts and keep us accountable. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's so hard. Uh, it's so hard to know. Um, <laughs> how to, how to, how to navigate that. And, and I think, I think we'll look back and we'll have a better understanding 20 years from now, but 
it's hard to even know where this is going to be in 20 years. Uh, MySpace didn't exist 20 years ago. I guess it, it's 1999 is when I got on AOL Instant Messenger. I guess it was about 2002 that I got on MySpace. So, I mean, wow. literally, this is 20 years, but that's only half of my life. You know, social media didn't exist for half my life. I cannot yeah. imagine being a teenager today. With so, so teenage, my teenage years were so tough. And if you yeah. threw social media into it, like I, I really like it, it is traumatizing. And for me as a parent, like, as I start thinking about the pressures my kids are going to have, and uh, it, this is, this is, I love social media for the gospel opportunity. I, I love even how you brought that up. Let's bring light into the darkness. Uh, yeah. but man, when it starts impacting my kids, you know, and it, uh, yeah. And my wife and I, how we navigate that from a accountability standpoint, it's, there's a lot of complexities to this. It's not just black and white. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I, I often thank God that there weren't smartphones in everyone's pockets at my high school. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you hear about stuff that like we found 10 years ago that this person said this one thing. I thought, God have mercy. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's gotta be from a spiritual perspective. There has to be so much pressure because like everyone's watching, everyone's recording. Yes. I mean, we all do stuff we're ashamed of. We're just capturing more of it now. So yeah. I think just a clear gospel proclamation of not just be better, but Jesus did the best thing for you. Yes. Uh, I've heard before of like, you know, Western culture used to be kind of guilt and innocence, kind of courtroom justification stuff. Yep. And Eastern cultures, Middle Eastern cultures were honor and shame. Hmm. You know, you were excluded and shamed because of something you had done to dishonor the community. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of like social shaming that happens online. You know, we, we might call it cancel culture. Yeah. Like you've been yeah. socially excommunicated. So I think the, the gospel, not just of justification, you're officially not guilty in God's court. That's beautiful. Yeah. But also the gospel of acceptance, that when you mess up and the whole world finds out about it because of social media, yeah. there is a God whose arms are still open and he's, he didn't block you. Yeah. You know, I think there are fresh ways to give the gospel and that might resonate with a younger audience that way. Yeah. You know, and, but and, not, not preaching actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's so good. I mean, I think this is, this is, uh, these complexities is what, are what we have to wrestle with. You, so, so I go to Hillsong, New York, and, and I think probably you're aware that everyone is aware of the complexities we're dealing with as a church right now. And, uh, and, and I was talking to some of the leadership recently, and we're talking about, you know, churches have dealt with dilemmas through the years, uh, but you add social media to this and, what, what that has added from a rumor standpoint, you know, there's a whole article uh, in, in, a, in a tabloid here in New York of a social media post from Carl Lentz's daughter, you know, uh, of, you know, just what that's like uh, for that family, what it's like for the entire church. Um, it's social media just adds so much complexity to the good and the bad uh, of what a beautiful thing that we can celebrate weddings and we can celebrate births and things that we could be a part of. And then what a, you know, a, a, a terrible thing that gets documented, you know, for the rest of our lives on social media that we want to leave behind. Uh, but it follows us around on the internet. Um, it's, it's, and, and you think about teenagers, you know, what that, what that means uh, in so many layers. And it's, there's just, there's so much to this that, that I wrestle with every day. And so it's, I, I appreciate you wrestling through this with me uh, in this conversation. Yeah, for sure. So as we, as you, we uh, go ahead. I was going to say quickly, have you heard the story about 
uh, the woman who had these dreams of Jesus. It's a, it's a fictional preacher story. Let me. Okay. Yeah. No, no, sure. Yeah. So she's going to kind of conservative uh, church. And she said, she has this dream where Jesus spoke to her and just the church culture. People are pretty skeptical of like, did it really happen? And she meets yeah. with the pastor and he talks it through with her and he's still like, you know, he wants to honor her and, and listen to her, but he's still unsure. So he says to her, yeah, I'll tell you what, if this ever happens again, I want you to ask Jesus what sin I really, really struggled with as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Woman says, you, you sure? And the pastor kind of smirks and says, yeah, I, I'm sure. And uh, what happens again, she shows up in church a month later. Jesus spoke to me. I, I had this dream of him. Pastor calls her in. Yeah. Says, so did, did you ask Jesus the question I, I told you to ask him? She said, yeah, pastor, I did. Pastor says, oh, really? Well, what did Jesus say? Well, I asked Jesus what sin you really struggled with as a teenager. And Jesus looked me in the eye and he said, I don't remember. Hmm. Hmm. Jeremiah 31, this is the new covenant I will make. Yeah. Uh, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Wow. So, you know, I think of the new covenant's promise to people who can't escape because everyone remembers, you know. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. following the social media trail. It goes through the middle school, the high school, the church, yeah. like lightning. When you messed up the video, everyone's seen it. Yeah. Like you can lose a lot of stuff real fast. But then there's this God who mm. says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah. Um, somehow in his omniscience, he's going to not, I'm, I'm wrapping my brain around that, but yeah. the gospel of not remembering my past is just, it's gorgeous to me. It is. It is. I, and I think that's so relative of Google might never forget. You know, and 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 I think we can feel like we have to carry that baggage even more than ever. Um, mm-hmm. But man, the the grace in the gospel that is is so beautiful. Um, man, I love that. I love that. That's refreshing for me uh, in this in this season. Um, as you know, I think I'm getting to see it firsthand in, in such a significant way in this season. But. It, I think we all have those moments though, that or something, you know, that, uh, man, we just need to come back uh, to that grace in the gospel. I think for pastors as well, um, it's, it and we're coming, we're coming out of a political season. We're coming out just of an emotionally charged season, or I guess we're maybe in the middle of it, uh, but uh, let's, no, what, I, I want to, what's that? What happened with politics? I'm, I'm not there's, aware. There, I'm there not was a media. thing in Russia uh, that happened, and uh, <laughs> we, could go, we could go down some paths there. <laughs> I, could get, I could get myself in some trouble. Um, All right. Yeah, I won't go so, there. <laughs> yeah, but I'd love to get you in trouble if you want to go. Uh, <laughs> so, so I want to talk about, we're in the middle of COVID, uh, speaking of politics, and, uh, and churches had to, pretty much everywhere, shut down for a season or still shut down. Um, how did, how did your church navigate it? And how did you as a pastor navigate this quarantine season? Ooh. Um, you know, I'm really blessed. I get to be the lead speaker for time of grace, but I'm not the lead speaker of our ministry, our church. Okay. Yeah. So I get to give my two cents and, uh, Pastor yeah. Tim, our staff, he, he is just a rock star leader. So I, <laughs> I escaped a little bit of the pressure and the emails and the feedback yeah. Um, I, I think we were like most churches, you know, we were trying to figure it out. Yeah. We shut things down. We went yeah. digital. We were blessed. Hey, this is fresh, new. We're going to make it work. And then it started yeah. to grind on people. And then yeah. you got the, you know, the 80% of the people in the middle. And then the 10% who think you're wrong if you do this and 10%. Um, I had a 
a guy yeah. named Steve. He, he would drive uh, oil tankers at my old church. And Steve used to say to me when something was really contentious, like, Pastor, you know, 10% of the people are over here and 10% of the people are over here. And your job, forgive my language, is to not piss off the 80% of the people in the middle. <laughs> yes. So I always think of Steve and that's good Corona wisdom. Like, yeah, there's just no ministry decision that makes everyone happy. Someone thinks you're a sellout for something and you just have to take it, find your identity in Jesus acceptance, make the best decision you can and expect, expect to get an email a week. Yep. Yep. Well, I've, I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard somebody say recently, I was talking to my wife last night about this, that uh, so often when we think we're in the middle of God's will, we expect that if God called me here, it's going to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then I must have veered from God's will. But the reality is actually quite opposite. If you're in the middle of God's will, you're probably going to face attacks. Uh, and if it's not a little bumpy, you probably should be questioning uh, whether you're in the middle of God's will or not. Uh, and that's what pastors can uh, face that reality. And so in every decision you make, uh, if you're not upsetting someone you're probably not leading your church effectively yeah i've uh, don't envy I've, your often had a, I've had a joke throughout covid like would i get a ton of sympathy from john the baptist like <laughs> john someone sent me a mean letter because we have to wear a mask in church and well where's yeah. your head john <laughs> like yeah. like okay it's it's pretty cush here to say but I have to speak into a camera and I really miss the applause and the amens of the people <laughs> like John the Baptist sitting in prison about to get his head chopped off. Like, Oh, okay, buddy. So that's, that's talked to me back it's from good, the COVID it's a good party. <laughs> well, and now pastors though have to deal with like, it was, it was one thing to write a letter and mail it to your church or drop it off. Now it's just a social media comment or a direct message. Uh, it's yep. e- easier than ever to, to send that email. And, uh, it's one of the things that I love being out of ministry, full-time ministry the most is it would destroy me, you know, like even just a message that was even halfway negative would, mm. would ruin my night or my day, you know, like it, because you're so personally invested in your congregation and the decisions you're making, you're prayerfully invested. Uh, yeah. and then when somebody calls that out, it, it can, it can beat you down or be, beat me down, um, emotionally. Yeah, I, I hear you. I so, actually... One of my favorite college professors just passed away from COVID. Okay. Wow. Um, and he, I remember him saying when I was 18, 19, yeah. you know, Bible college, he said, you have to remember that no matter how saved or sanctified your church members are, yeah. what exists in their heart is what exists in yours. Yeah. And Galatians five seventeen, what exists in them is a sinful nature mm-hmm. that always fights against the spirit. Yeah. And so his wisdom, this, I don't know if this seemed kind of wrong when I first heard it, but he said, just expect everyone in your church to sin against you at some time. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to happen. If you have your expectation, like, oh, these are all God's mm-hmm. holy people. They would never do that. And your yeah. experience is here, like the, the grumbling and the discouragements in the middle. Yes. But if you're like, hey, th- these are sinners who are saved and saints through Jesus, but they're still sinners Yes. If I lower that bar of expectation, when the criticism, you know, comes, mm. I think we can navigate that better. Yeah. And people are scared. They're losing jobs. Yeah. They're sick. They're frustrated. Yeah. They got an yeah. oven attached to their face. Yep. So maybe I'm just going to expect like everyone's going to be on edge. I'm going to get sinned yeah. against. Yeah. It's okay. We're working through it. And your pastor is probably going to sin against you. 
uh, if you're the congregant. And, and, and I think, because I think people then elevate their pastors of, you know, pastors are supposed to be perfect. And uh, pastors are just as human as everyone else. They just have a, a different calling, you know, I think uh, on, on their vocation. And so yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a reality. Yeah, you're making me want to preach on that. Uh, is it in Colossians where it says, bear with one another? Yeah. I, I think of when we use that phrase, like if the Wi-Fi is bad on a Zoom call, hey, bear with me. Mm-hmm. Like we know it's a bad situation. Expect there to be hiccups. Yeah. Maybe COVID, that should be like the tagline for it. Bear with one another. <laughs> yeah. It's a good tagline. <laughs> it's, yeah, we're going to have days. Yeah. I'm going to put it in my window. We've been putting messages in our window uh, here in New York and just like, we love you to our neighbors across in the building across from us. And they send messages back and uh, bear, okay. bear with it. One another is a good, that'd be a good, good message uh, for my kids to do next. So I want to, I want to wrap up with, with this, a, a total tangent here, or not a tangent, but I think practical for pastors. You had to go from pastoring uh, from the pulpit to 200 people to 450,000 people. So you had to learn how to pastor through a lens, uh, through a camera. What was that shift like uh, mentally? And, and in COVID, so many pastors had to make the same thing. You know, there's nobody in the room. They got to pastor through a camera. They got to preach through a camera. Uh, what have you learned um, just practically to get to better preach through the camera? Oh, good question. Um I will start this way. I, I wasn't totally aware that because of the lights and the cameras and the TV stuff that I'd have to wear makeup. So uh, yeah. last, Sunday, last Sunday, my girls thought it was hilarious as they took the makeup off of mommy and daddy and tried to see who was wearing more. <laughs> <laughs> who, who won? So that is between me and my spiritual accountability partner. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, what I would say uh, when I originally had the opportunity to to be the lead speaker at Time of Grace, yeah. I had a pastor who gave me advice that I thought was really good. And then I found out he was dead wrong. Mm. And his advice was, hey, you know, it, it's great to be able to share God's word with so many people. But this guy told me, but I think you need to be sitting on someone's couch to rescue them from the jaws of the enemy. Like there's just something personal and pastoral being in the room, knowing someone deeply. Yeah. And I, you know, when he said that to me, I thought that that's true on through a camera. I, I, I can't do everything that I can with someone that I'm shepherding here locally. Yeah. But I got to say in the couple years I've been doing this, uh, he was wrong mm. that there are people who through that screen get saved and yep. forgiven and helped yep. and blessed and yep. comforted and guided, you know, sometimes with the bigness of our TVs now uh, through YouTube or wherever they're watching, like they have a closer view of your face than they would sitting in the fifth row at the local church. Yep. And just to remember that on the other side of that little lens, you're squinting at in the darkness, hoping, <laughs> hoping you're making eye contact in the right spot. Yeah. Like on the other side of that are so many people who are earnestly listening to the word from your lips. Yeah. And you can't see them, but you need to, to envision them. Yeah. Um, I try to write myself a note on the top of my written sermon. Just, I just put the word burden. Mm. Like there are people carrying a burden on the other side of that lens and remember them, preach to them, give them your best, 
because your labor is not in vain just because you don't have a, a packed church with you live. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And do you, do you visualize those people or do you just kind of think about their needs in that moment as you're, as you're have 200 people in the room, but then 450,000 on the other side of that camera, what, what's, what's in your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't do this as much as I'd like to, but I'm, I'm the kind of guy who writes out his sermon and, you know, okay. what comes out of my mouth is often double the word count. But, you know, if next to a paragraph of application, I can just put two initials yep. of the last person that emailed me that's going through that. Yeah. Like just seeing those initials is my brain's trigger to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's out there or they're yeah. out there or he's, he, he's listening to this part right here. Yeah. This isn't just get through the script, turn off the red light and go home. This is still real people and real ministry and real Holy Spirit snatching people from the jaws of the enemy, even if I'm not on their couch. They might yeah. be sitting on their own couch, but I'm, I'm still there through the stream. Yeah. Man, it's, uh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I love, um, one of the things I, when we launched onlinechurch.com, I heard so many people tell me that this is heretical, you know, that, that you, you can't do church on the internet. Um, and, and I'm, I'm of the belief that it is far better to be sitting on that couch than it, it is. It's far more effective, but you can't sit on everyone's couch and the internet provides opportunity. And I remember what, what changed, uh, my, you know, really spoke to me and, and my pastor in that season was the stories, you know, as we'd hear from somebody in, uh, Iraq who was able to, to tune in uh, to onlinechurch.com. And, uh, that was their church. And that was their church family. And somebody, uh, I remember we had to blur out somebody's face. They sent us a video story and uh, just the incredible. And, and I know you're hearing that from time of grace of, of the life change that's happening. Uh, it's not the same, you know, it's different. Um, it's sometimes more effective, sometimes not as effective, but it's, uh, it's very real. And I think that's what pastors have had a hard time with in COVID because our congregants need us more than ever. You know, they're, they're dealing with job loss. They're dealing with grief. They're dealing with anxiety, uh, depression. Um, and we feel like we're not able to pastor them, but, but the reality is we are. Um, and, and, and it's not just on Sundays that the internet allows us to pastor them. Um, but it is, um, it's, it's challenging and, yeah. and it's, uh, it comes with new and, it, and you've got to, you've got to think differently as a pastor as you begin to preach to that camera. Yeah, but what an opportunity, huh? I mean, you imagine yeah. when the Spanish yeah. flu or the Black Plague is going, and you, as a pastor, yes, as a ministry leader, you want to help people, but you you can't. What do you yeah. do? You shout from your window. Yeah. And now, I mean, we get annoyed by someone not knowing how to work the mute button on a Zoom call, but right, literally, I'm seeing people's faces yes. in the middle of a pandemic. So what a, it can be frustrating because it's not what it was. Yeah. But man, if you're going to go through a pandemic, what a year to go through it. Yes with the tools, yeah. technology that God has raised up that I literally can keep sharing the same message with the same people uh, because we have this great opportunity. So I'm uh, thanks for giving me some encouragement. It's good to yeah. talk. <laughs> Man, thanks for that word. Uh, I think I think that's gonna encourage so many pastors uh, that, that are listening to this uh, today. And those of you who are not lead pastors, I wanna encourage you or preaching pastors to share this conversation with your, your lead pastor, your preaching pastor, uh, to, to, I think that that's so important, even if they just skip ahead, you know, to this last, uh, part of this conversation, I think that's going to be so valuable for them to listen in, uh, pastor Mike, uh, for those uh, that are listening, they want to connect with you online. Where, where can they go? Where, where should they go to connect online with you? 
Uh, they can send me a letter in the mail. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, so I'm at Pastor Mike Novotny on Instagram. Yep. Uh, otherwise, if you just go to timeofgrace.org, uh, you can find all the written video, TV shows, uh, social media stuff. So should be pretty fun. You should be able to catch. Um, our technology guy was filming me as I walked into the debacle today. So that might be nice. a fun uh, edited nice. video that goes up in the next day or so. I love it. I love it. So go, go to timeofgrace.org uh, and, and go to socialmedia.church. We'll have all the show notes. I'll have links to uh, Pastor Mike's uh, social media uh, and I'll have a link to his book, uh, Three Words That Will Change Your Life. So make sure uh, you go get that. I'm not going to tell you what the three words are. Uh, you're going to have to go get the book uh, and find out what's going to change your life. Pastor Mike, thanks so much uh, for taking the time and being a part of the podcast today. Thanks, Nelson.